Oh, sorry guys. Those were the sounds I used to make when I would cut myself shaven before I knew about Manscaped. But thanks to Manscaped, I've turned my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Wow. Get this pod started right by Manscaped. And guys, Manscaped, we got 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping using the code DNVR20. So hit that magical code DNVR20, whether it's for Father's Day, getting the father right so he doesn't have to shriek anymore, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for a gift for someone else, make sure to check out Manscaped. That Lawnmower 3.0 is the best razor out there. I don't care if we're talking face or under the belt. It is the best razor out there. And guys, make sure to get their Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with that Lawnmower 3.0. It comes with the Crop Preserver. It comes with the Crop Reviver. And it comes with the travel bag, disposable shaving mats, and the comfiest set of anti-chafing boxers you ever worn. So make sure to check out Manscaped. Use that code DNVR20 for 20% off and free shipping. All right, Dre, let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves from mile high, the best part of the in a perfect stranger as they become a friend having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N tuning in every day with the good folks down DNVR welcome 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 into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this fabulous Friday edition I'm your host Zach Stevens joined by a special guest today. And before I reveal that special guest, I got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. Guys, MSU Denver has mastered online learning. And that's the way that the world is going right now. So make sure to check them out because they've already mastered it. Head to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. They have over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. So whether you want to earn a degree, uh, finish a degree, or just take a couple classes, MSU Denver can hook you up. So check them out at msudenver.edu slash online. My boy! Andre Simone is joining me today, and I couldn't be happier on this bum talk fired up Friday. Andre, how you doing? Love it, man. I'm doing great. I'm doing great because I'm here with you. I forgot how fun we have on these podcasts. (laughs) I'm holding back laughter during your insane read. Uh, No, this is a a true pleasure, a real summer treat for myself. So I thank you for having me, and I thank Arkea Mace for not being here. the old, the old Mobile roommates could get back together once again. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. The Mobile roommates. I'm so pumped to be joined with you uh, today, Andre. And boy, I mean, you got an action-packed show. We're going to have a lot of fun on this show. We've, we have the most comments that we've had in a couple of weeks, so that's going to be action-packed. Whoa. And also... We have some Broncos news. I mean, you well, asked well, well. me. You asked me uh, before we started. You said, "What are you guys talking about now?" A very <laughs> fair question, valid question. But the Broncos helped us out today because yeah. they gave us the coordinators yesterday. We got to talk to Pat Shermer, Ed Donatel, and Tom McMahon. And this was the first time we've talked to Tom McMahon and Ed Donatel since last season, since Crazy. December. 
And yeah. now we're in June here. Typically, we would have talked to him a couple of times up till now. But, of course, with the crazy offseason, mm-hmm. that, that didn't happen. And this is the first time we've talked to Pat Shermer since he was hired by the Broncos. Right. Um, and so, man, lot going on here. And, Dre, let's start. We've got some drama and some, and some good news. Which one do you want to start with? I'm a, I'm a start with the good news kind okay. of Okay. Okay. Well, there's yeah, some... it's true. You haven't talked to these guys in so long. And partially, you didn't even get to talk to them off the record in Indianapolis because famously uh, the Broncos yep. decided not to send their coaching staff there. Yeah, so. it, it, exactly. And what, what's crazy is um, the, they haven't talked to the play. They haven't seen the players in person either. I mean, just talk about a crazy, crazy right. off season. Aside um, from March, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. So it is, it's been crazy, and there was just so much news yesterday. And the best news that came mm, from yesterday yes. revolves around the health of two very <laughs> important players on the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. Bryce Callahan and Bradley Chubb. And Dre, I got good news for you. Bryce Callahan isn't just, quote, ready to go. He's running full speed, has no limitations right now. And Bradley Chubb is running at full speed. Of course, the torn ACL that happened in week four of last year. Uh, And I I was thinking about this this morning. One of the things Bradley Chubb said, we talked to him the day after he uh, tore his ACL. And he said, I'm thankful. And I was just blown away that he said that. Yeah. But he said, I'm thankful for this timing. If this would have happened in week 14, 15, 16, or 17, it would, it would affect my entire offseason. It would affect right. the start of next season. And I was a little surprised to hear that he was running full speed. But then I remembered that and thought, okay, yeah, now we're seeing. Obviously, no one ever wants him to tear his ACL. But if it yeah. was going to happen, the timing uh, was beneficial. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is huge news for that Broncos defense, you know, I mean, and with those two guys and you add Juwan James, you're basically adding two free agent classes because I mean, they didn't get much of, uh, uh, for the, the real breakout stars who were supposed to help improve the team. You know, we were expecting a huge jump from Bradley Chubb. We were expecting both Bryce and Juwan James to be massive additions that didn't quite work out. So this is very encouraging. I mean, for that defense, few players are more important than the two guys Donatel mentioned. So it's really, really encouraging that they're back to full speed, especially Bryce Callahan. I mean, if this means we're one step closer to the Bryce Callahan not being a real person jokes being over, <laughs> then oh, praise, praise Jesus. I mean, bring it on. Certainly, certainly. And Dre, yeah. I was thinking just – I was trying to think how big – would it be to get both of these guys back oh. on the defensive side? And I was thinking, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think these are two of the four most important players on the defensive side of the ball. And I've got um, Von Miller, yep. Bradley Chubb, uh, and then A.J. Boye and yeah. Bryce Callahan. And, and I probably value – I mean – I'm not saying those are the best players, but the most important, just because I think safeties and um, edge rushers are a little more important than, or corners and edge rushers are more important than safeties and inside linebackers. Right. It's harder to hide them. And uh, both those positions really have a domino effect. You know, just having a healthy Bradley Chubb 
in there completely changes the equation of how you're going to block the Broncos front. Now you really have some major concerns of, well, who do we double? Do we double Vaughn and risk giving Chubb, uh, you know, a free outside shoulder where he's got a one-on-one opportunity? What's that mean for Jarrell Casey and Draymond Jones and McTelvin Ajim and uh, Shelby Harris and all those favorable matchups that they can exploit? Without Bradley Chubb, it becomes a lot easier to game plan for this team. You just put a tight end to Vaughn's side, double him that way. You You add a little... Uh, you know, you you chip uh, Jarrell Casey inside with the center and everything becomes a lot easier. With Chubb instead, it's a totally different equation. And Bryce Callahan maybe more so does that for the secondary where, uh, you know, you've got a really solid starting four with Callahan and A.J. Bouye outside and those two phenomenal safeties. And then when you go into nickel packages, you can you can move Callahan inside. You can pick and choose your matchups. If you have him playing against a Tyreek Hill, you can keep him outside because he matches up size and speed-wise. Uh, it, it just opens up doors. And not to mention, it allows you to keep youngsters like O.J. Mudia or any of the other backup edge rushers or cornerbacks off the field to groom them a little more while the veterans go out and you know earn their bread. Yeah, and uh, Dre, a lot of people were pounding the table for the Broncos to go and sign Prince of Mukamara because they needed that right. third corner. And I didn't think, I don't think the Broncos need a third corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, that's why you have Vic Fangio, right? Is yeah. you, you already have the highest paid defense in the league to give Vic Fangio. He shouldn't need A players at, you know, 14 positions <laughs> right. on the defensive side of the ball when there's only 11 starters. He can plug a hole or two here or there. And that's right. why I think with Ojemudia, uh, with Devontae Bosby, with all the guys that you have, Vic Fangio should be able to, to fill one hole at cornerback with all of those guys. Just, just fill mm-hmm. one hole. But if you don't have Bryce Callahan, and then I think that may be too much to even ask the masterful Vic Fangio to fill two cornerback holes with just mm-hmm. how important the cornerback position is. So for me, huge news that Bryce Callahan is healthy here. He, he talked yesterday, June 11th, he's healthy. It's not like we're talking one day before training camp. They're right. saying, yeah, he, he's starting to run full speed. <laughs> right. No, we have a month and a half before mm-hmm. training camp starts where he's already going full speed and that foot looks to be good. So that's huge news to me. And then yeah. with Bradley Chubb, it's not just, um, you know, if, if he wasn't able to play for the beginning of the season or something like that, it's not just having Jeremiah Atachu having to fill in, <clears throat> excuse me, having to fill in for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everything you said, it, it's a big trickle down effect and obviously a huge jump from Bradley Chubb uh, to Jeremiah Atachu. No, certainly disrespect there but it's then that neutralizes the big trade that you had for Jarrell Casey it neutralizes Mm -hmm. Von Miller and so the trickle down there I mean it's just as much as as it is with cornerback Uh, so to have both of those guys again at the beginning of June looking good they may still take it slow with Bradley Chubb um, at the beginning of training camp but the Mm -hmm. way they talked about Bryce Callahan yesterday I wouldn't expect uh, any Uh, ramp up for him I'd assume that he's ready to go and that is huge because this defense it it needs to be great and I heard Mm -hmm. someone on the radio a couple of days ago say yeah this should be a top 10 defense right like is that is that about what to expect 
And I'm going, no, no, this, this should be a top five defense. Mm -hmm. And you're not crazy saying it should be the number one defense or a top three defense. I mean, if this defense finishes in at number 10 or number seven, I'm saying it's a very underwhelming season for them. They need to be great. And you need these two guys in order to do that. 100%. They're really kind of the keys to this defense making that jump. Because you're right. With, with the entire D healthy, top 10 isn't acceptable. It needs to be at minimum top five. And really, with the kind of talent you have on the coaching side and on the roster, top three should almost be your baseline here. But no, you're absolutely right. The other thing with Bryce Callahan is, boy, it feels like it's been a while since we heard encouraging news on him. Yeah. So just to know that like finally we're at a timetable where it's like, okay, this makes sense. Maybe that disastrous year is behind us and he can get back. We all really hoped he could be uh, coming from Chicago. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic point, Dre. So great news coming from the coordinators. The wait was worth it to talk mm-hmm. to them. And now let's get to the drama. And maybe I, maybe yeah. I shouldn't have called it drama. I guess we'll see how this unfolds. But uh, the very first question that Pat Shermer was asked was, there's a narrative out there that you pounded the table for Melvin Gordon. Is it true? What are your thoughts on Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay? And this is what Pat Shermer had to say. He said, I think that's a false narrative. Listen, I'm all for adding good players at every position. I feel like Philip Lindsay is an outstanding player that we can hand the ball to or throw the ball to. The fact that we have two running backs now that can be very explosive with the ball in their hands, whether you throw it or run it, I think is a good thing. I really do think you need more than one running back. Royce Freeman obviously did a great job last year. We're going to try to utilize both and all three of them and try to utilize their skills. The whole pounding the table narrative, listen, I'm the new guy here, but I will say this, I'm looking forward to adding outstanding players to all the position groups. So Dre, when you hear that, what do you think? So much to unpack here. Uh, Yes, there is. My goodness, where to start? First off, this, now we have fun anytime reporters ask oh there's a report or there's a narrative out there and usually people get real defensive like what report or what narrative (laughs) yeah pat kind of took the cheese here and i don't know if he was right to do so because this quote maybe sounds more inflammatory than it should be and luckily i think melvin gordon is chill enough and happy enough with this new contract where what Pat Shermer said on a Zoom call won't really face it. Um, but it, it's a very, very pro Phil Lindsay quote. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. pro Phil Lindsay. I mean, this is, at the end of the day, it's not so much an anti-Melvin Gordon. Pat Shermer saying, though, like, hey, I like to distribute the ball, and I already felt really good about the Pro Bowl running back we had here. And- the other thing is, do the Broncos listen to their coaching staff all that much? Because I, I know we assume that, and Pat Shermer is kind of telling us, you know, I'm the new guy. Don't I presume that I'm calling all the shots here. Uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic point. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't really buy it. I, I don't really mm-hmm. buy it from, from Pat. But this is something Philip needed, let me tell yeah. you. I mean, Philip's already admitted that he was upset 
when the mm-hmm. Broncos signed Melvin Gordon. He felt disrespected. And, hey, I totally understand it. I'm not going to tell him he's wrong for feeling that way. I mean, the right. first player in the history of the NFL to go for back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons as an undrafted rookie, yeah, you should feel disrespected when instead of paying you, which they could do right now, they yeah. go out and pay a guy 11 times the amount that you're getting paid. I totally understand the disrespect. Yeah. Um, and Vic Fangio said he's talked to him. Um, but this was, this was the public um, uh, backing that Phil needed. And Pat Shermer certainly gave it to him. And Dre, you and I were talking about this before the show. And uh, gosh, I, I got to think that Pat Shermer was what's a step below pounding the table he was he was knocking on Elway's door or (laughs) something I gotta think that he did really want Melvin Gordon and maybe it's maybe it's because of what he said in there was you need two running backs to be successful in the league makes me think well then what in the heck were you doing drafting Saquon Barkley to, for him to be your bell cow and, and <laughs> the only point. guy out there Fair in point. New York? Yep. Um, but it, it made me think that, you know, the how I think the Broncos view Philip Lindsay is probably spot on. And that's just they don't think that he can be the bell cow from multiple, multiple yeah years in a row and I mean he's right though it he, he said he'd love to add good players at every position and that's what you did adding right. Melvin Gordon right. and it's good that there's a debate that Ryan thinks Philip Lindsay's uh you know way better than Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. some people think that Melvin Gordon's an, up, an upgrade over right. Philip Lindsay no one's saying that these two guys are bad because they're not they're both Pro Bowl running backs so uh, I get where he's coming from but in, I know they didn't go out and sign Melvin Gordon the first day of free agency. I know yep. he kind of fell, but yep. his price tag didn't fall. I mean, he's, he's like, the, Dre, what would you say, the sixth highest paid running back this year? Yeah, it's not like they got a deal for him. And right. so, you know, that the John Elway and the coaches were sitting back and saying, oh, I mean, if we can get this guy on pennies on the right. dollar, we'll do it. No, right. this, someone had to be pounding the table for him if it was if it was Pat Shermer it was Pat Shermer if it was John Elway someone was very excited to add Melvin Gordon yeah fair point this isn't some Shelby Harris deal where it was like Uh, well at that price for one year yeah absolutely no you're right I mean there's something behind this and no one wants to take credit so to speak for (laughs) right uh, we'll see if that changes by like week six, if he's like on a tear, you know, and everyone's like, well, remember, I told you I was pounding the paper. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an amazing change of narrative. But yeah, I, I guess maybe you're right. Maybe Pat Shermer is playing the long game here. And what he's really considering is Phil's comments um, a little while back and how he felt disrespected. And he wants to make sure that one of the emotional leaders of this offense is engaged and, you know, really, really ready to go to war with the rest of the team. Right. It, it, exactly. And one of the very interesting things that Pat Shermer said when talking about the dynamic between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, because we haven't been able to talk to Pat since they signed Melvin Gordon. And mm-hmm. obviously when we talked to Vic, he's not really talking about the, the dynamic between these two. He's just dealing with the defensive side of the ball, trying to get them as a top three defense, like we said. Uh, But he said, they're going to have 
specific roles heading into the season, heading into each week. Um, and he's not going to ride the hot hand. And hmm. to me, I, I asked him that question. And I thought I was throwing an easy one out there for him to say, we're going to ride the hot hand. We have outstanding players. When one of them's being outstanding, uh, we're going to ride that. And he said, no, they're going to have specific roles. And that, that made me scratch my head. Yeah. Huh. That seems odd. Because then another thing he said was, the, in order to be a good running back in the league, you have to be able to run inside and out. You have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And – you have to be able to pass protect. And he said uh, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay can do all three of those. Both of them can do all three. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone, <laughs> every running back in the NFL can catch the ball occasionally. I'm sure every <laughs> running back in the NFL can run the ball. And I'm uh-huh. sure on occasion they can pass protect. But from what we've seen, to me, it seemed very obvious that I personally think Melvin Gordon – and Philip Lindsay are maybe going to split carries yeah. um, for the most part, but Melvin's going to be big time in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, just trying to think of all of this information we got about these two guys yesterday from Pat Shermer, I'm thinking, how are they going to have specific, why would they have specific roles if they have the same skill set, if they can do right. everything that the other one can? Uh, if they're interchangeable. Yeah. Right. Again, to me, that's just like the easy reason why, why you would ride the hot hand, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. They can do the same, so we're just going to ride the hot hand. Um, gosh, that seems odd. Yeah. Especially because, like, what do we do? Like, does Phil become your first and second down back? He's your interior runner at 200 pounds and like a shade over 5'8". And then it's like, okay, third down, bring Melvin Gordon here. (laughs) um, That'd be your designated roles. Boy, no one's uh, talking up Royce Freeman anymore, huh? I I was actually surprised that Pat (laughs) Shermer said Royce Freeman's name. He's like, we got two backs. Uh, Oh, uh, we have three backs. Royce Freeman did some good stuff last year. Again, if Royce Freeman did good stuff last year, no, just the disrespectful truth is – if Royce Freeman did good stuff, they weren't going to go out and pay Melvin Gordon $8 million. But, Dre, yep. you, you're the guy. You're the perfect guy to ask about this. Let's say they do have specific roles. And because you're, you're the film guy, you know exactly how these guys work. What would be ideal? What would be the ideal role for Philip Lindsay and for Melvin Gordon? That's a great question. I mean, <clears throat> I think how they envision it is you'll, Melvin will be the, the bigger pass catcher. But he can do that being used more as a decoy, more as a runner out the backfield. You're going to give him more outside runs, more tosses. The goal with him is just getting him out in space where he's already got a head of steam and letting him use that combination of speed and size. Um, and so I really think that's kind of going to be their role is as much as they say he's interchangeable and in everything, he's going to get the primary carries. And then Phil is going to come in as a change of pace fresher legs a guy who still got that speed but has all that power and vision to run inside and in a way I don't think it'll be all that different from how they tried to use Royce Freeman and Phil last year it just Mm -hmm. Royce Freeman couldn't keep up his end of the bargain he just wasn't making tacklers miss in one-on-one situations regularly in space which of course if you can't do it that's like the bare minimum requirement in the NFL we've schemed this so that you have a one-on-one if you're not winning those matchups we're going to have to find someone who does. Um, and, and clearly they have. 
so I kind of think it's going to be same old for Phil, who's never been seen as a guy who can get more than 12 catches, touches a game, and yet he still makes the best of it. Yeah, he, he really does. And, and I think you're absolutely right that Phil may still be in a similar role to what the Broncos wanted him mm-hmm. to be these yeah. past two years is the most dangerous second running back in the league. And I think that, that you know what, that, that's exactly the role that they want Philip Lindsay to be. I know Ryan believes that Philip Lindsay will be the starter and will be the guy because he's, he's just going to be too good to take off the field. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily disagree with him that um, he's, it's going to be tough to take him off the field. I just think the Broncos are going to be headstrong and mm-hmm. saying he's the second running back. And we want him to be the best second running back in the league. And I truly believe that Phil Lindsay can absolutely be that. And maybe it's not right to call him the second running back. Cause uh, I don't mean any disrespect to that, but sure, sure. I think Melvin Gordon's going to have to be really bad for Philip Lindsay to truly jump him and be the guy that they turn to uh, as the starter in the most important situations. Uh, I think they hope Melvin Gordon's a really good back, and they hope mm-hmm. Philip Lindsay is the best second running back in the game, and and in the just in the areas you said as well, Dre. Yeah, that's not a bad way to frame it, and I think you're right. Melvin Gordon would really have to he would have to underperform to such an extent, like have his worst NFL season to date, and really start to struggle. And and the way that Phil can supplant him, of course, is with the injuries. That's the added caveat to all this. These are the best laid plans. Well, Melvin Gordon, we've seen, has had trouble staying healthy for an entire season. So as soon as that happens, then all bets are off. Then, right. Oh, we love Phil. Remember, Phil, how I, how I told you I wasn't pounding the table for Melvin. I knew this would happen, buddy. <laughs> right, exactly. Let me play you that Zoom. I've got the recording right here. So. <laughs> exactly. Although I'm not sure Pat Shermer would uh... – be able to pull up a zoom very quick. <laughs> well, you didn't know better than me. <laughs> um, and Dre, of course, there was talk of one Drew Locke. I'm not sure if you've mm. uh, heard of this guy yes. before, but uh, <laughs> uh, the, the hot topic in Broncos country, of course, is what is going on with Drew Locke. And Pat Shermer talked about him. Uh, no big headlines coming from this. Um, you know, of course, Drew's picking up the offense very well, picking up from where he left off last year, according to Pat Shermer. And Pat, of course, the Broncos aren't allowed to get together as a team right now. But mm-hmm. we know that Drew Locke's been doing uh, getting some players together in parks, but you can't have coaching staffs there. And Pat referred to those as rumors. He said, if the rumors of Drew getting, um, getting the teammates together are true, well, I've heard those have been going well, and we find <laughs> out we find out some information today uh, from Nikki Javala that not only is it Drew getting players together, uh, his wide receivers, but he's getting pretty much the full offense together. Any guy that's in town, including Dalton Reisner, Juwan James, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, joined the party this week. Uh, Philip Lindsay's been there. Um, and Jerry Judy, of course, he was here last weekend, so he joined them last weekend as well. So it's more than just a throwing session. He's getting the entire offense oh. or as much of the offense that's here. He's getting them together, um, and they're going through the playbook and calling their own plays with, with, with Pat Shermer. So that, to me, 
is I, I haven't wanted to put a lot of emphasis mm -hmm. on throwing sessions because sure. pitch and catch it's, it's fun. Yeah. Do you, do you build chemistry through that? Uh, not really. I don't right. think, but this is something that is actually good. Cause when, when you're able to take what you've learned the past two months through zoom meetings and actually be able to run it on the field, mm -hmm. I do think that's beneficial. Not to mention, I think there's really some camaraderie that's building with this group. Yeah. Um, and that's something that, you know, older groups, uh, we saw it with Super Bowl 50. Everyone's got a goal. Everyone's got these leaders where we know, like, we're not going to be together. It's easy to really, you know, we, we got to maximize our time. We got to do the work in the offseason. But this is still a relatively young group. To have this young leader doing this kind of stuff already is really uh, – really great no mention of garrett bulls at these uh at these parks there wasn't and i don't know <laughs> if it was a uh, time uh, a space thing or uh or garrett bulls is not there um i do know that jerry judy or that kj hamler got there this week um i believe lloyd cushionberry and melvin gordon have not yet yeah. arrived to denver okay so that's why you don't yeah. see their names there but speaking of cushionberry uh, Pat Shermer said he's really impressed the staff with how smart he is. Yeah. And I mean, he just, he went off on how impressive cushionberry has been. And then he said, well, I can't tell you if he's going to win the job because you know of how different the off season is. And right. to me, I'm saying, if you are preaching how he's got the mental side to the game, you, you just need to watch tape maybe once to see that he's got, the physical side of the game, at least good enough right now that if he's mastered the mental side of the game, to me, there's zero reason he shouldn't be the starter. In fact, I don't even really view that as a competition, even though I know it is a competition. I think he's already got it locked up. Totally. He, he just comes in at a disadvantage because he's a rookie, but not surprised in the slightest meeting Cushenberry at the senior bowl. The second I was done talking to him, I tweeted out that just like Reisner and Locke the year prior were the most impressive guys I talked to in mobile far and away. Cushenberry was the same way this wow. year. You know, the guy had played the national championship five days prior to me speaking to him. Uh, you know, still had another year of eligibility, but had already graduated from LSU and wow. declares, comes to the senior bowl, talk to him and like just sharp as ever, you know, despite the whirlwind he'd just been through. So, and, and then that same day dominates Javon Kinlaw in one-on-one, something that no one else there came close to. So there's the physical attributes for you. So yeah, Kush, uh, Kush is an impressive guy. They are very fortunate to have him as another core young leader to that offense. Wow, that, that's great insight, Dre. And that's also something that maybe you don't have to worry about Kush not being here right now is because that mental side is so on top of it that oh, yeah. it won't take him a while to translate mm -hmm. there. And I mean, just, just great news coming from there as well. So like you said, Dre, it's huge that this group is bonding and creating that chemistry yes. both on and off the field, probably even off the field, even better. And mm -hmm. I view it even better because these are all young guys mm -hmm. and they're all doing the right thing. I mean, Juwan James is the old guy in yeah. this group and he's 27 years old. <laughs> right. I mean, that that's like the average age of most offenses. Yeah. Uh, and that's your oldest guy right here. I mean, Philip Lindsay, you, you view him as, 
a true vet on this offense right. and he's a third year guy <laughs> right. you know he's like 24 years old so right. the news coming out yesterday is is great and of course you, you don't necessarily expect any of the coordinators to come right. out and say oh man i'm happy you guys <laughs> haven't been able to watch these zooms because they right off. let me tell you about that <laughs> Uh, but the, the, the tangible aspects that came out of yesterday, health is good, um, that, that Drew Locks and his teammates are doing the right mm-hmm. thing. It's, it's all good. Just a few other notes. Um, the offseason program ended yesterday for the veteran players. They could have gone mm-hmm. two more weeks, only virtually, though. The NFL did mm-hmm. extend uh, the rest of the offseason as virtual. Um, Vic Fangio, along with most teams in the NFL, said, we're done with the virtual part. Vets, you're free to have a longer summer. I'm sure they love that. Could you yeah. imagine a teacher oh, yeah. just canceling school two weeks before a <laughs> summer break? Beautiful. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And uh, the the rookies have one more week uh, to go until they're on summer break. And um, speaking of rookies, uh, Ojemudia, yeah. according to Donatel, said he's learning the defense about as good as a rookie can. Huge for what we were just talking yeah. about, Dre. Yep. Early returns on these high character guys. They clearly after 2017, that was an emphasis and they they have been rewarded more than I could have ever anticipated. Yeah. Sorry. Just so smart. Cushenberry, OJ Mudia, all these guys picking it up. Um, Just within those last three years, since they changed the philosophy, all the leaders on the offense are all products of that emphasis on character. It's just amazing what changing that uh, drafting philosophy has done for this team. Yeah, it it really is amazing. And you may want to celebrate all this good news with the Breckenridge beer Mm. this weekend. I mean, hey, it is Breck Brew Friday today. So make sure to grab yourself a 15 can sampler pack. Of course, we had someone reach out to us yesterday saying they got one of these. It came with the Strawberry Sky and the Hot Peak. They mixed those two together to make the RK special. Why don't you do that this weekend? Because the Mm. 15 can sampler pack is so delicious. You get to try all the great beers that Breckenridge Brewery has. You can even get that at Davidson's as well as the 15 can Mile High City beer, which you can get your local grocery store and Davidson's as well. So make sure to check out Breckenridge Brewery and not just the beer, but make sure to check out the farmhouse, uh, which has awesome, awesome food. They'll do uh, curbside delivery for you. They'll deliver it in the Mm -hmm. Denver metro area. So give them a call at 303-803-1380 for pickup of their delicious food and use the code DNVR to save $5 off your meal. So check out Breckenridge Brewery, whether it's the beers or whether it's the farmhouse food this weekend. My mouth is watering already. (laughs) And if you didn't already know, we are now covering Colorado's professional rugby team, the Colorado Raptors. Colton Strickler is taking you inside the locker room with the DNVR Raptors podcast. And you can find his written Raptors content right on our site, um, for all his great coverage, you can support the Raptors by following us on Twitter at the MVR Raptors. You can download the podcast anywhere you can find podcasts. It's a perfect time to learn rugby, which is such an exciting game. I know Hank and I, um, and even Ryan have joked that it's almost like watching option football with a never ending, like a uh, special teams return game going on. Um, it's just beautiful. Some of the form tackling you see, some of the open runs, it's amazing. And our guy Colton does basic 101 pods to break down the game for you, uh, kind of educate 
uh, people who aren't as familiar with the spa, sport. They're incredible. Um, he gives you great one-on-one interviews with other people involved, players, GMs, coaches. It's just outstanding. And just remember, supporting our partners like the MVR, like the MVR Raptors and the Colorado Raptors is supporting us. So download the Raptors podcast and follow them at the MVR Raptors on Twitter. Absolutely. Dre, I know the people want to talk to you. They want to ask you some questions. Right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Everyone wants to talk to Dre. I'm just the lucky oh one today. <laughs> so why don't we jump into the comment section? And the first comment coming in from El Bronco Gordo says, comment and a question. No, I'm behind on this mustard thing, but I suggest Matuk's West Indian hot sauce. A mustard-based hot sauce, and it's amazing. Oh, man, that sounds delicious. I love spicy mustard, and so a hot sauce based out of mustard? Whew, man, that sounded great, El Bronco. He goes, anyways, rewatch Super Bowl 32. Late in the game, TD rips off a solid gain, and we see Ed McCaffrey absolutely erase and then point at the now uh, disintegrated husk of Packers linebacker Brian Williams. This play always brings a warm, happy feeling to my heart. What is your most memorable, seemingly inconsequential play and moment? Great question there. Yeah, it really is. Are we just going any play in Broncos history here? And the thing is inconsequential, you know, because. Right. So hard to define. Is it inconsequential? That's such a perfect example of. Yeah, it's just part of the play, but boy, that sticks out forever. I mean, we will remember Eddie Mack pointing at that as he just annihilates the defense. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it, frankly. I think kind of a Dalton last year tossing Phil into the end zone. Mm. But I don't know. Not quite inconsequential. He basically makes that touch. I'm trying to think of some of the... The Buffs games I covered during the rise and were oh, there yeah. any plays that stood out during that or any other plays I've watched live? Does anything stick out to you there? Man, this is a heck of a question because how, a many, how many individual plays that don't mean anything stick out? And, and you remember, right. I got I to give it to you, El Bronco. Uh, I think you've, you've stumped us because the, yeah. when, when you said play, I immediately thought of DT. Tebow to DT but of course that was definitely not (laughs) inconsequential there man and and so I'm trying to think of um, like you think of players in uh, in big time or just just big time players so I'm trying to think of a Tebow moment but it seems like nothing he did for the first three quarters was memorable and then everything (laughs) he did in the fourth quarter was not just memorable but extremely important in the game as well um, well, and Matt Prater's kicks, I think, are the most underrated thing of that entire season. Yeah. And there's a lot of those kicks. You want to talk about inconsequential plays where the, the, long, the special teams is rushing onto the field, and they're getting the snap off perfectly despite not calling a timeout, and Prater's nailing them. And so, you, you know, you think of the long snapper, you think of the holder, and everything that went into a season like that, and of course, you know, eight and eight, they didn't even deserve to make the playoffs. They win that game, luckily. Now, wait a minute. They don't go eight and eight. They don't make the playoffs. They probably never get paid man. Right. So those kicks, those holds, those long snaps, they're just as important as anything Tebow did 
to get the Broncos back to greatness, to get them a future Hall of Fame quarterback, and to get them back to the Super Bowl twice wow. to get them to win one. Wow. So there's, there's a little example. That, that's, a, that's a great one. And I'll go with it's not a play, but it's a moment in Broncos history that Gary, Gary Kubiak told us about after the Broncos had won the Super Bowl. And that's, of course, when Peyton Manning is doing his individual workouts with Jordan Taylor, Sunshine, yep. and the Pat Bowen Fieldhouse when he's still injured. Brock Osweiler still the quarterback of the Broncos at late in the 2015 season. And uh, Kubiak goes back and watches all of Peyton's workouts on tape. So there's, there's a, a video camera in there watching it. And Peyton knows everything. So he knows exactly where the video camera is. And when he's walking off the field uh, at one of the last ones he did, he flips off the camera saying, <laughs> I'm ready for this, Gary. Put me back in. Oh. And boy, if, if I would have known that, that Peyton did that, I would have put all my money on the Broncos to win yep. the Super Bowl. I had a buddy. Um, we just did a side bet, and he was so confident the Broncos were not going to win the Super Bowl that he gave me he, – he said, I'll give you better odds than Vegas gives you, and I'm making a minimum bet. So you, you can't make this a weak bet. you got to put a lot of money on the table. I would have put all my money on the table <laughs> if I would have known that because, man, a fired up motivated Peyton is is just something else so um man great question El Bronco Gordo all right next one coming in from world of suck I've missed the comment deadlines a few times this week so I'm gonna play catch up I'll be quick though I promise your hot take that you would take Patrick Mahomes for 120 million dollars per year and fill out the roster with draft picks and vet minimum contracts is absolutely asinine I don't care how good your quarterback is. A defense made, of, made up of youngsters and low-level veterans won't be able to stop anyone. Imagine our defense next year without Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Todd Davis, A.J. Boye, Bryce Callahan, Jarrell Casey, and Vaughn Miller. If you're fielding a miserable defense, you'll find yourself giving up at least 30 points per game. And how are you going to play catch-up with Patrick Mahomes and a gang of morons on the offensive line and guys like Tim Patrick, Cody Latimer, and Virgil Green catching passes? I love you guys. But I just couldn't believe my ears when I heard this take. By the way, we've already seen what happens when you surround Mahomes with underwhelming talent. In two years as a starter, they went 12 and 13. Who? Uh, Texas Tech. Oh, Texas Tech. Okay. Okay. Now that that is off my chest, I want to ask you guys what you think about Justin Holland's future. I've been impressed by some of his film as both inside linebacker and outside linebacker, but he seems to be left out of the equation as we look toward the future. What do you think? Much love to you three and to Dre as well. So Dre, let, let's actually do this Patrick Mahomes thing first. So yeah, we were just saying, how valuable is Patrick Mahomes? And pretty much what we said was, at least Ryan and I said this, I don't know if Mace jumped on board, was he is so good that you could surround him with vet minimum players mm-hmm. and pl- plus rookies. So, so you, you get rookies yeah. in your draft class. So you got to, you got to hit on those. Yeah. Um, and he would give you a chance to, to make the playoffs. Um, and I think when you get a couple draft classes in and you hit on them, mm-hmm. win a Super Bowl. Do, do you think that is absolutely crazy? It would be an uphill battle. I, I think it's far from crazy though. I think you have okay. the number one step to being able to do that. And I think that's your point, right? It's like the barrier of entry is having a great quarterback. Yeah. Once you have that, 
yeah, it's going to be harder if you can't have a couple big contracts around him, but it's not impossible. Right. I mean, this isn't too far off what the Seahawks have done with Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And Russ always keeps them in the conversation. Maybe yep. not for the Super Bowl, but for the playoffs – Yes. Uh, and, and being a competitive team, man, that, that's, a, that's a great point. And really, th- this conversation started because I just don't the, – the, when the Chiefs have to pay Mahomes, they're not just going to drop off. Is it going to hurt that they don't get to keep uh, everyone on defense as well as everyone on offense? Yeah, of course, of course it's going yeah. to hurt. But they're yeah. not just going to go from winning the Super Bowl to next year when they actually do lose pieces in the 2021 season to, you know, fighting for the playoffs. It, it, it's not going to be. So that's why we went to this extreme. But also what, what I'll say to counter you, World of Suck, is look at what the Broncos have. How many vets mm-hmm. do they have on their offense? They have Melvin Gordon, who you're paying, Juwan James, who you're paying, who did not play last year. And now you do have Graham Glasgow. That's Everyone it. else is on a rookie contract. So, uh, yeah, you wouldn't get Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay, Dalton Reisner, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry. You wouldn't get all of those guys in year one. But in year three, when we're talking about if you were to hit on your draft picks and surround Patrick Mahomes with these type of players, you're, you are talking about – uh, a Kansas City Chiefs type offense because if Noah Fant, yeah. KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, and Corton Sutton develop as I believe they all will and as they all should, uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, uh, I'll put the Broncos guys up against them any day. It's true. Yeah, it comes down to the quarterback and that scheme in a lot of ways. The O line's the hard part. I mean, yeah. I wish the Chiefs had to do this. Mm-hmm. I wish they had to pay him $120 million a year. <laughs> <laughs> No, I do think it makes things a lot more competitive. That'd be real nice. <laughs> it would be. So uh, what, what do you think about Justin Hollins? Yeah, what a great question, because he has kind of become the forgotten man, right? Uh, Atachi was so impressive as an outside linebacker, and people really like Malik Reed. And with uh, the emergence of Alexander Johnson, he never did really get that play at inside linebacker that we thought he would. And yet there's plenty to like about him. I thought the flashes that were most impressive last year as a rookie came as an outside pass rusher. Yep. More so than in in coverage as an inside linebacker. Um, And I think, you know, as a versatile outside linebacker that can drop in coverage, that can be reliable against the run, what always stood out to me about Hollins in college is he doesn't overrun lanes, very reliable in defending the zone read, you know, wasn't making – bad reads and stuff. So you like him as a perimeter run defender. You like him as with his ability to drop in coverage and you like his tools to get after the pass rusher. So I think he's a valuable depth piece that will become much more important once you have to make some harder decisions with Vaughn Miller's contract. Right. You're absolutely right. For this year, I'm just worried he may get stuck in not being a true outside guy or a true inside guy because Dre, I agree yeah. with you. He, he was better as an outside guy, but it looks mm-hmm. like they're going with the Tachu as the third or fourth guy. And Malik Reed, I mean, he started eight games last year. He was really good last mm-hmm. year too. It seems like he may have the upper edge on Hollins for the outside job. And then at mm-hmm. inside, 
Um, you know, you're keeping Todd Davis, you're keeping Alexander Johnson, Justin Stranod looks like he's going to make this team, um, especially because maybe he can be a guy that shuts down tight ends in the passing game. And so maybe he does make it is like the fourth inside linebacker. Like that's where his place Mm -hmm. on the roster is. Um, But I do think he's better as an outside guy. So I like his upside. Just curious where he fits in when cut day comes around. So Great, great question there, world mm-hmm. to suck. Next one coming in from Crash. Zach, open your eyes. Trevor Simeon was a noodle arm Nancy, who is the guy who is scared to stick his toe all the way in cold water. He gives Charlie Checkdown a bad name. Oh, hey, man. Hey. Why, why'd they have to do this to my guy, Dre? Yeah, to, to Trev. I'm a big Trev guy myself. <laughs> I, uh, I won't stand for such slander. And uh, Trevor had terrible wide receivers and terrible offensive lines. So I can't fault him for getting a little gun shy at times. And come on. I mean, if Benny Fowler doesn't drop multiple passes in that 2016 season, the Broncos probably go 10-6 and six and make the playoffs with a guy who was a second-year player who had one snap his rookie season, which was a kneel down and was a seventh round pick. And, and he didn't really even get a chance to be the quarterback mm-hmm. until mid training camp that year. I want right. to say J- just because they had a rookie first round pick. They had this veteran Mark Sanchez. There's no way Trevor Simeon's going to get the job yep. until he's better than the, than the other two of them. Um, so was Trevor Simeon the long-term answer was he the guy that you're going to play pay $15 million to per right. year? It hurts me to say no, oh. but he was actually that. I mean, that first year is where I can really defend him. And I actually will mm-hmm. defend him. And that, and that's not a joke. He was, he was really good that first year, 18 touchdowns, I believe 10 interceptions. Yeah. You'll take that from any, you'll take that from, um, you know, if Drew Locke would have started all of last year as a rookie. You would have taken that from him in a heartbeat so um then of course it did fall off and he became injury prone and and all that stuff but drake i don't think i should let ryan and mace back on this pod since i got my trev guy in you you know it it, man yeah big (laughs) trev guy i still think in the post manning era maybe excluding locks play again locks several plays against the texans last year Trev's scramble in the red zone against the Chargers, was it? Where he does a whole pirouette, runs to one side, runs (laughs) back, still gets the touchdown. That might be the best play we've seen on offense since Manning Retire. Oh, gosh. I I think you're right. Oh, man. I love having you on here, Drake. (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) Broncos since seven chiming in. Gentlemen, welcome to the great summer cuisine of South Mississippi. A tomato sandwich is something we look forward to every year. Bread, mayo, salt pepper, and tomato. It literally has been my lunch at work for the past two weeks. Has to be a homegrown tomato, though. Those hothouse tomatoes just don't work. And, by the way, we do eat them like apples here. Just slice off the top, slightly salt, and enjoy. Always enjoy the pod. Thanks, guys. And, of course, Mason, uh, or Andrew, the guy that – Mace, what am I saying? Mace, the guy that presented this on the pod, of course had to respond to Broncos in seven and said, Everything you said is correct and amazing. So, Dre, I got to get your take. Uh, Mace called it just the tea sandwich. And um, Broncos and Seven adds a few more ingredients that Mace was saying. Mace said bread, tomato, and mayonnaise. And that's your sandwich. 
He's miss, he's missing some bacon and lettuce. If you <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, that seems odd. My grandpa would do a weird thing. He's from Minnesota, so he'd like slice tomatoes, and then I think he sprinkled sugar on his. Wow. Which, uh, and wow. then just eat it with a spoon. And I thought that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I'd go wow. back to Italy and tell all my friends about <laughs> what a weirdo my grandpa from Minnesota is. Um, so that's what this reminds me of. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard that. Own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to, to each their own. And maybe I'll try that later. Cause of course, mm-hmm. I mean, a uh, uh, tomato with salt on it is pretty undefeated. I guess so. And Fresh tomatoes is the key. We're starting to grow more. You know, this uh, lockdown's given the opportunity to do more stuff in the yard. We are starting to grow more stuff. Maybe we need to grow some tomatoes and try this out. Mm, yes, yes. We, uh, you, you know, if uh, a green onion, it's like the long thing, uh-huh. you save like the bottom couple inches of it, you yeah. put it in water for five days and then you can plant them. And they just they just nonstop grow. You cut the tops off, you eat them. They just continue to grow. No we're way. Doing that. We're doing that right now. I I mean, it's like I'm watching these things grow in front of my eyes. It's amazing. So if you ever buy green onions wow. at the store, just keep the bottom couple inches, put them in water for five days, let the roots grow, then plant them, and boom, you'll have green onions forever. That sounds amazing because I'm always tossing those bottom couple inches. Yeah, me too, because you can't eat them. Right, totally. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I'm yeah. trying that right away, basically. Yeah. Next one coming in from Yellow Mustard. You guys were saying that Paxton Lynch isn't great at getting the ball in the end zone. But how many times last season did he march the – oh, I think I misread. What does PL stand for? You guys were saying – oh, that Phil Lindsay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm so okay. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry for equating him to Paxton Lynch, my bad oh, yellow no. mustard. So he says, you guys are saying that Philip Lindsay isn't great at getting the ball in the end zone, but how many times last season did he march the offense right down to the five yard line for the Broncos to turn around and give the ball to a different back? That is something they, that really annoyed Lindsay last season. He may not be as great at goal, as a goal line back as Gordon, but he also had surprisingly few opportunities last season. And yeah, I believe actually the count reached out to us on Twitter um, saying that throughout their careers, Melvin Gordon has gotten the end zone one out of every 27 and a half times he's touched the ball. And Philip Lindsay's gotten in the end zone one out of every 28 and a half times he's touched the ball. So Melvin, a little bit better, but I mean, it's certainly not significant. No, and that's with probably more red zone touches as yeah. well. So he's got a bit of an advantage. Yeah, I think it comes down to the touches. And Phil just gets discredited because of his size. But frankly, his makeup as a runner should suit him perfectly in the red zone. It really Because should. he's so good at churning out those extra yards. And I always think you know, size, you're looking at half of the equation. Having that low center of gravity is so huge. Especially yeah. when defenders can't see you until you've busted through the hole already. Yeah, and that's crazy to say that he can hide behind offensive yes. linemen. And that's huge in a, in a one-cut system. If you can hide at the 50 and then burst out, that linebacker doesn't know where you are. But especially at the one-yard line, when, they don't, when the linebacker and safety don't know where you're going until you're in right. the end zone. Um, and, and I wasn't saying that Phil wasn't good at getting, at getting in the end zone. But 
Melvin Gordon has has proven he has the stats behind him to say that he's really good at scoring and he's really good at third downs and I I think that's what the Broncos are really expecting from him so I think Phil could be a lot more frustrated this year too because it could be that just even more so because if Melvin's actually good at that unlike the other backs the Broncos have had in the past couple years then Phil's not going to see those opportunities as much yeah so true that's true Brian chiming in just mayo mace i imagine this is why you get so angry towards colin coward you have a nutrient deficiency wow and of course mace (laughs) responded and said well i'm not saying i eat the sandwich every day lol but if you had been blessed i was to taste the majesty that was vine ripe tomato from my aunt louise and uncle bill's farm in north carolina you would understand and just gets to what you were saying dre about Fresh tomato kind of makes or breaks tomatoes. That's right. So true. Count Locula chiming in says, the best sandwich I ever ate was in Tuscany. Saltless Mm. bread. DM me if you want to know why they don't salt their bread in Tuscany. And Mm. one thick slice of badass prosciutto. That's it. Nothing else. And nothing else is needed. You get the best ingredients and you need little to nothing else. Love the count well i have a resident expert <laughs> italian right. with me right now dre do you know why they don't salt their bread in tuscany yeah because of course um, you do well i got married in tuscany that's where my father is <laughs> from so um <laughs> i uh, i th- this is right in my wheelhouse but no <laughs> i think it's specifically with tuscany because the air's a little drier and when they cure their meats they end up being a little saltier so to counter the salt that's in those cured meats, like the prosciutto is mentioning here in the sandwich, the bread is unsalted. And that unsalted bread is so good. I miss it like crazy. Um, so yeah, wow. I, uh, he hits the spot with that. I, I think he's onto something. The now, is, is the unsalted bread good on its own or do you have to add the, the prosciutto or the, the tomato with the salt on it? I think it's good on its own, but it also offers the opportunity of you just want to snack on some bread, drizzle some nice Tuscan olive oil on it and sprinkle a little salt and then you're in heaven again. Oh man. Or put some nice cheese on there and still do the oil and salt, you know? It's oh, uh man. There's, that's where it's at. Jay, there's nothing better than Italian food. Yeah. It's and true. I I haven't even been to Italy and I can say that I can't even imagine how good it is in Italy. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, kind of making me sad that I can't come <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, how about that? I get the Italian, the resident Italian here for that question. So I don't even Meant have to, to be. DM count. <laughs> That's right. Broncos super fan. My boys just picked up a 15 camp sampler pack and made an oh, RK yeah. special. Hell yeah, that was good. Nick Wright is an idiot and Colin Coward <laughs> is a clickbait, art, clickbait <laughs> artist. 10 and 6 to make the playoffs with our cost-controlled quarterback. Love the podcast and keep up the great work. So since he threw out a uh, – uh, first off, thank you, Broncos Superfan. And since yes. he threw out a record prediction, Dre, I got to get your record prediction. I'm going over eight and a half, which is where our numbers are at when we project um, how the team performed with Drew Locke extended over a 16-game season. Um, on top of the adi- the additions made in this offseason that Vegas is giving them an extra half win for uh, based off their performance last year, I think nine and seven um, is a fairly safe pencil in. You know, anything can happen in football. A Shelby Harris tip can completely alter uh, – 
a draft board. But um, no, I, I really think, you know, they're going to be in that eight to 10 win range. Um, and, you know, you're splitting a, a late penalty here, a missed field goal there could really swing those two wins. Um, but no, I, I'm settling in at nine and seven. I think uh, I'm just very encouraged by what this team has. I just hope everything can click because there, there are a lot of new pieces being added into a very unusual offseason. So that's, um, that's my only concern. On this podcast, you're a Debbie Downer with nine and seven. The rest of oh, us wow. have ten and six. But I, I mean, I think I think you're spot on. A nine and seven season w- would be successful. It absolutely would absolutely. be. And, and I think that's something that uh, that I need to make sure that we not lower expectations, but just understand what's a successful season yeah. and what's not. Even though I think they're going to go ten and six, nine and seven. That's look. That's a two-game jump from last year with a new offense, new yeah. offensive coordinator, no off-season, young yeah. players all over the board on yeah. offense. We've talked about the two guys you're getting back on defense. Bryce Callahan's right. never played with them before, and yeah. Bradley Chubb has only played four games since his rookie season. So that would be a successful season. Then going into 2021, you can mm-hmm. reason. I mean, then the expectations yes. should absolutely be make yep. the playoffs. Um, beat the Chiefs once, maybe even that. That's mm-hmm. kind of what you're talking about. Eight and eight, you're you're yeah. underwhelmed, but mm-hmm. you're like, okay, it was a one game jump, um, and then we'll be a winning team next year. Right. Seven and nine is unacceptable. Yep. But I, I agree with you. Eight and eight um, is like a realistic floor. Obviously, it's not the floor of the team. Sure, sure. But it's kind of what they should do at the minimum. Two, yes. ten, and six. I, I completely, completely agree with you, Dre. And something else that we all agree upon here is a Manscaped is a great Father's Day gift for <laughs> your father, which of course is coming up soon. Or it's a great gift for yourself. I know all of us here at DNVR can attest to that. And guys, if you use the code DNVR20, like I was telling you about earlier, you get 20% off that entire purchase and free shipping. And I know I told you about the Perfect Package 3.0 earlier, which I still highly recommend. But Mm -hmm. I got to tell you about this Lawnmower 3.0, the Perfect Razor, because it's literally perfect. They could have named it the Perfect 3.0 because it's perfect. It's got 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, meaning it packs a punch, but it sounds like a Tesla. I mean, just as quiet (laughs) as can be. It's got an awesome feature of an LED light, which illuminates Mm -hmm. everything that's going on. And my personal favorite, if you want to be an artist down there and you want to make sure that it's perfect, well, Uh you get 90 minutes battery life to do Uh that. So you're not rushed at all. And of Mm -hmm. course, the Nick free advanced yep. skin safe technology that comes with it. That's the most important part. So use that code DNVR20 for 20% off and free shipping. And did you know golf is back? That's Ooh. right. We have a full weekend of golf ahead of us. And even though the trophy is reversed for the winner, the big cash winner, winnings don't have to be. To add to the excitement, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. It doesn't get any close to a major than this. With all the heavy hitters, 
taking the course. It's really true. There's nothing but uh, top 20 ranked guys. Golf is back. And DraftKings has all these amazing props for you. Uh, they've just been amazing to work with. The, the props that they add for us. Uh, all the different offers they have on the weekend. They've got some other offers for UFC and stuff. They've just been incredible. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up. For limited time, all new users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Flawless, Dre, and I wouldn't have <laughs> expected different. Next one coming in from Triad Bronco. Hey, y'all, just the T. That's how I ended up with two kids. <laughs> oh, oh, that's no. good. I asked my old man if he wanted Manscaped for Father's Day. I think I preemptively ruined Thanksgiving. Awkward. <laughs> a tomato sandwich definitely has to have a little salt and pepper on it. Don't knock it till you try it. Me and my brother call them a matter witch because, well, we're idiots. Anyways, I'll see myself out. God bless. Oh, man. Great comment there, Triad Bronco. Next one coming in from Broncos Guy 63. I'm sure this has this has come up already, but please talk about this hype from Ocho Cinco too. Send Zach a tweet and then immediately realize he had already quote tweeted it. So my bad, man. LOL. No worries. I don't want to get too hyped, but it has become hard to temper expectations with all the hype that has solid logic behind it. My question that I have for the three of you is this. What offseason had you more excited between this one and the offseason before the 2013 Broncos team? Personally, I was super hyped up about that year, but I'm actually finding myself being more excited about our skill position players this year, excluding quarterback, because no matter how much you love Locke, he isn't Manning. Which group would you choose all things equal straight across the board, line and quarterback? All right, mm -hmm. so we'll get to his question first, and we'll talk a little Ocho Cinco. Um, gosh, I mean, right now, we, we kind of just talked about expectations. Yeah. Eight and eight is the floor of being okay. Yeah you're satisfied 10 and six you're in the playoffs you're thrilled with in 2013 anytime you had peyton manning you were i mean it, it was the expectations were win the super bowl anything else is disappointing mm -hmm. um so may, maybe you're talking specific off-season moves there and of course that was one year after you signed peyton manning um and was that when you signed wes welker as well yeah, must have been. I yeah. think so. And boy, did yeah. I love that move. Yeah, totally. No kidding. No kidding. That was perfect. And I mean, the offense just was really humming once they made that addition. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really was. And of course, that was a record setting offense there. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to go the 2013 uh, Broncos just, just because of Peyton Manning. Um, yeah. So Dre, my question to you is, would you rather have Demarius Thomas Eric Decker, Wes Welker, and um, Julius Thomas, and and Julius Thomas, or and and back then, so in in their prime, yeah. or, for one season, or would you rather have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and Noah Fant? 
I mean, I love the young guys, but we are talking about some phenoms uh, with a, a quarterback that was just at another level. So I have to go with uh, DT and the gang. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. I think you're right. And in if this was I get this receiving core that the Broncos have now in two years, mm-hmm. I'll bet that I'll take that. I, I would take my chances yeah, with that. Probably. But for this year, when two yep. of those guys are rookies, um, I, gosh, I mean, you have Wes Welker, I think, should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he made the yeah. slot receiver position, and his stats also back it up. Incredible mm-hmm. what Insane. he did. Um, yeah. Demarius Thomas, obviously, easy, easy, easy ring of famer. And yes. Julius Thomas was playing at a Hall of Fame level then. There's just, yep. there's no question about it. So yep. I mean, His red zone production was unrivaled at the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and Eric Decker was also playing great, but I mean, he's like the only guy that you would really replace and you would Absolutely. have to get a, another good player to replace him since, since he was very good. Um, so that, that, that's a great question there, Bronco guy. And Dre, did you see what Ocho Cinco said yesterday? He was just like, drooling all over jerry judy and the clip of him just running the crispest routes you've ever seen yep he came out and said on twitter he said can i talk football and a peculiar skill set real quick please it's unfair that jerry judy kj hamler are lining up together i can confidently say this is the first time i've seen three true number one receivers on one team double exclamation mark Wow, the first time ever. So Chad Johnson is saying That's this it, this is some crazy <laughs> hype. What he's saying is this has this team, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler have the opportunity to be the best receiving core ever. I mean that that's how I see this. Yes, I mean that is essentially what he's saying which is just bananas, but I guess in a sense when you look at the upside that these three kids have and you look at how well they complement each other, there's a lot of projection here, but it is not crazy. I mean, you know, these two youngsters are so dynamic, such dynamic athletes and so incredibly tough to to cover right off the snap. I mean, that's where they really separate themselves. And then you have Cortland Sutton, who's just scratching the surface. Yeah, uh, that's pretty exciting. From a guy who, you know, Say what you will about Ocho Cinco. He understands the profession quite well. Hard, hard worker, you know, kind of middling uh, draft pick who turned himself in one of the NFL's best wide receivers and one of the best route runners of his era. So this guy knows what he's talking about, even though he's got that wild persona. And that's exactly what I was going to say. He knows Jerry Judy's game Mm -hmm. better than anyone because Jerry Judy has the opportunity to be a better Chad uh, Chad Ochocinco Johnson. I mean, w- yeah. with his route running uh, and his footwork, Chad Johnson knows all about that. And the thing is, you don't really want to build a team with three Cortland Suttons. As great as yes. that is, you you don't need that. Um, but they complement, just like you said, Dre. All three of these guys complement mm. each other perfectly, perfectly. Mm. So. Um, I don't know if I'm there saying this is the best wide receiver (laughs) core in NFL history, like Chad Johnson's pretty much implying, but holy cow, you get a guy that just like you said, knows what he's talking about. 
saying this is the first time he's ever seen this much talent and together in three receivers. Holy cow. And that's yes. not even talking about Noah Fan. That's not even talking about right. Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay out of the backfield. Right. That's not even talking about Drew Locke. Yep. Like, holy cow. You put, you put Chad Johnson with uh, Colin Coward talking about Drew Locke, and you put Chad Johnson there talking about the wide receivers? Oh, my goodness. That's a fun conversation to listen to, I'm sure, for where this team's going to go. Next yeah, one coming sure. in from TK Freeze. My boys, first thing <laughs> I just want to say is that I love this community. You guys are great and talk openly, and I think that's awesome. I haven't agreed with everything that every comment has said on this podcast, but the one thing I know for sure is I love all my Broncos country brothers and sisters. No matter the political views or race, at the end of the day, we all have the same race, the human race. I truly believe if we can just put ourselves in another's shoes and see people are hurting, all would see that we need change. All right, real fast to the Broncos. First off, I totally agree with you, TK Freeze. Great yeah. comment. Um, okay, to the Broncos. Do you guys see Chad Johnson's comments <laughs> about the receivers? He said, I truly have never seen a team have three number one receivers. Talking about Hamler's ability to manipulate the ground under his feet. I get it. It's all speculation, but I feel like Chad would know what he's talking about, right? I'm just so damn amped for this group. I read a, a Bleacher Report article this afternoon ranking quarterbacks supporting cast. Denver came in at number 10. Where would you rank them going into the season? Obviously, it's a lot of speculation with, with two being rookies, but what do you all think? Anyways, all love. Thanks, guys. That's a good question. It, it is a good question. I'm actually surprised that they cracked the top 10 from a national perspective too. because, uh, I mean, kind of like you said, TK Freeze, these are – this is a very young group. Now, Cortland Sutton does have the Pro Bowl next to him, so I'm sure that helped when uh, a national – reporter was looking at this but i'm surprised they cracked the top 10 um too i think that's probably about right where that is right now um because so much i mean they definitely have more than the number 10 in terms of talent but mm -hmm. two of these guys are rookies uh one of these guys is a second year player and the other right. one in Cortland sutton um is a third year player and then of course phil third year and melvin the vet there um they have the talent to finish in the top five, in the top three. Yeah, I really think this is a great point because like you're saying, Zach, the ability right now, 10 seems high. But then you look around the league, there aren't many that clearly on paper are superior. Like the Chiefs, yes, the Chiefs are superior. I'd say the 49ers are superior. I'd say the Dallas Cowboys are superior. I'd say, you know, maybe even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints are superior on paper. You could put right. the Cleveland Browns there if you want. Sure. So we're at about six or seven. But yeah. then after that, it's a toss-up. And you could look at teams like the Minnesota Vikings, high-end running back, high-end wide receiver, but where's everything else after that? You know, right. it's a big fall-off. Well, the Broncos have a lot of high-end talent. Yeah. You just need guys beyond Cortland Sutton to establish themselves. So it's an interesting conversation. I think it really opens my eyes to how, yeah, top 10 might seem too high now, but there's a potential for them to be, you know, top five by next year and that not seem crazy at all, as you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And man, that, that was a, a great way to break it down going through those teams. Um, because yeah, I think they should probably realistically fall right behind those teams you mentioned, Dre. So right. six or seven right there. Tater Tot Tom says, hi, 
what is your favorite donut? Uh, right, donut right. Friday. <laughs> Do you even eat donuts, Zach? Occasionally, occasionally. Um, <laughs> I uh, and when I do, you can't go. You, you can't beat a straight glazed donut. Mm, straight glazed. Huh? Straight glazed, and I'm not talking about the cake donuts. You know, you gotta get. Yes. Oh, what's the other type called? Raised. Raised. Yeah, you gotta get the raised. It as mm -hmm. fluffy and yes. soft with the glaze around it. Mm, nothing can beat it. I'm with you. I'm a chocolate raised guy. Okay. Yeah. So that's the same donut. I just like the chocolate frosting on it and it needs to be just premium dough, you know, nice and fresh. That's where it's at. We're on the same page. We like the fluffy, fresh donut, just sink our teeth in it and feels like you're biting into a pillow. That's oh, exactly. Like. I mean, I know Italy has all the pastries. Do mm -hmm. they have good donuts then too? Or do they just Not stay away really. from that? Because they, they probably I mean, say it's crap. What's crazy is every culture has their own version of fried dough. Um, so Italy has their own little versions based on regional stuff. You know, some will be balls, some will be more like donuts, some will be like donuts without a hole where there's stuffing in them. But yeah, it's not as good as their pastries, and I don't think they're as decadent as the donuts I can get out here to the best spots. Hey, look at that. America trumps Italy and uh, one, one food thing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the Big Tabowski says, guys, you say some sports, some some competitive sport is back, referencing er, golf. It got me thinking, what constitutes a sport? To me, a sport should be tactical, skill-based, team game played with significant physical exertion, or that is my definition. And yes, I'm sad enough to have spent significant time thinking about it over the years. Okay, so golf has a bucket load of skill and has some exertion, but not enough to warrant its sports status. Does it shed, does it shed load of skill outweigh the lack of team play and physical exertion? Maybe. So is it an individual sport? Perhaps, yes. I think it qualifies for that, but the subcategories of sport, like individual sport, motorsport, water sport, etc., they aren't sports. They're their own separate category for me. Is chess a sport? Croquet? Is climbing a sport? Is running? Athletics generally? Walking? Shooting? Dancing? Darts? I could go on. But none are true sports for me, as they don't meet enough of my criteria. I'm a huge F1 fan too, but I don't class any race car racing as a sport. It's motorsport. So... What is a sport to you guys? Are there games played that everyone regards as a sport that you don't class as sports like golf doesn't for me? Why I feel the need to share this, I am not sure. Slow day at work, I guess. Peace out, Bronco Land. Haha. <laughs> that term still makes me chuckle, the big T. Yeah, Bronco Land makes me chuckle too. I know Mason RK absolutely hate it though. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, it makes me chuckle as well. I would say <laughs> I would say it at nausea, but I, I understand that people don't want to hear that. Boy, the big Tabowski. You can always count on the big T to, to bring the fire, huh? You, you, you definitely can. Man, where do you draw the line? What's the sport? I think he's undervaluing the tactical aspect of sport. Um, I used to be on the golf isn't a sport camp, but no, I, I think it's a sport. And there, there is some, there's some tactics. I guess in some way, even these motorsports he's talking about, there is a team element in there because it is all the team that's refining the strategy and the motors and picking out what, what are the best tires and when do we want to push and when do we want to take back and when do we want to go into the pits. So I think motorsports, for the most part, do qualify as sport to me. It's when we get into chess and stuff where <laughs> right. it's really like... Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. But because that's not necessarily an athletic skill, right? Right. I think it's more similar to being good at Scrabble. I don't need to be an athlete. Well, darts, yeah, that's athletic skill. That's coordination. It's eye coordination. It's muscle memory. It's it's repeating a function. It's a sport. I think a sport can be a very basic, simple thing, but it still qualifies as a sport. Yeah, I I totally agree. And the way I view it, or I've actually, unlike the Big Tabowski, I haven't put much thought into this, but the way I'm viewing it now is, is there a score or is it win and lose? Because with Monopoly and chess and games like that, where it's a game, not a sport, Uh there's not really a score. You, You win or lose. But in sports... There's scores, you know, skiing, um, you, you have the time, race car driving, you have the time, darts, you have the, the final scores, you know, the tally of scores in golf, you have the scores, you don't just win or lose, you have a score that goes mm-hmm. next to your name. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, in football, you have a score that goes next to your name. So that's the way I'm approaching this now. I, I'm, I'm there for wiggle room, but that really allows me to broaden my definition of I sports. like it. I like it. Right. A score, a score that's updated, updated consistently that you can follow along and maybe place live bets on. Right. I guess that would then take away motorsports, but no, that's always, that's an always changing, always evolving position. So leaderboard that changes still a sport. Right. Okay. I like it. Exactly. I like that too. Kirk Smith, 44. I find it funny as always that Nick Wright can't come up with a reason for the Broncos demise, especially since he's a huge chiefs fan. I feel like if I thought the Chiefs, Raiders, or Chargers weren't going to succeed, I can name multiple reasons for each. You just know your division as a fan. It doesn't make any sense. I think he's just trying to get clicks. Another thought. I think if Zach read the Manscaped ad doing his John Gruden, that would be pretty funny. I'll tell you what, man. This lawnmower 3.0, talk about a Father's Day gift, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. That is Incredible. You know what, Kirk uh, Smith? I'll, I'll read. I'll read anything in a Gruden voice. You just type it out because that was uh, that was fun right there. That's amazing. <laughs> well done. Oh man, that's. I fun. don't even get Nick right, and I don't. I don't get why people are even upset. Like, why do we care? Honestly, honestly, um, you know, I it was it was fun to talk about the first time, but I feel bad for Ryan because Nick Wright has got under RK's skin. And the mm. fact that he can't mention anything is making RK's blood boil. <laughs> and I feel like Nick Wright's gotten under his skin. It's just going to continue to make his blood boil until the Broncos get their fourth win of the season. I guess so. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is aggravating when someone can't even cite their reasons. You know? And especially when you can't then press them for it. You know, it's someone right. who you're not right. talking yeah. to. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That does stink. Vash the man says, yo, 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 my boys. Hopefully I get this in on time, but comments out. Peace, love, and chicken grease. You guys rock. Always keep it coming. Vash the man, that was, that was short, and we appreciate it. We love you. And uh, Dre, I think we're on our last comment right here. Looks coming like it. in from the other Ryan. Folks, really emphasizing the L there. Happy bump <laughs> talk. Feel good Friday. Hopefully, Mason and his family are safe in their travels today. Mm -hmm. And personally, I hope Ryan's killing the golf course right now. To say that 2020 has been rough is an understatement. 
yesterday, a coworker of mine, a fellow attorney, passed away. Holy cow. I'm so sorry to hear that, yeah, the other Ryan. Condolences. If this year is teaching us anything, it's to appreciate life and those who can cross paths with on our mortal journey. Despite life's difficulties, it is our challenge to seek joy each day and to bring joy into the lives of others. This colleague had a great way of doing that, especially with clients mm. facing major difficulties themselves. I am grateful to have crossed paths with each of you for the DNVR fam and for this podcast that brings joy, fun, and levity into so many lives. How cool is it? How cool is this thought that Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson tweeted out yesterday? Can I talk football in, pecu in peculiar skill set real quick, please? It's unfair that Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler are lining up together. I can confidently say that this is the first time I've seen three true number one receivers on a team. Have a wonderful weekend. DNV Army, salute. Well, the other, Ryan, I just want to say that, man, we're thinking about you and uh, and your fellow co-workers, family right now. That's uh, that's really tough. And thank you so much for those meaningful words. It's it's awesome to have you rolling with us and have all of you guys rolling with us on this day. And, you know, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a sad note to end the week off, but Dre, it, uh, you know, it just makes me more appreciative than ever that you were rolling with me today uh, and that I get to work with you on a daily basis. And man, we've had so much fun. You know, I'm the, I'm the one that laughs ridiculously on here, but today <laughs> you've been laughing and man, it's been, it's been so, so much yeah. fun. So we're so, so thankful for this community. And of Thank course, you. Dre, I'm so thankful for you. Back at you, brother. This was really a pleasure and a joy. So thankful for you. So thankful for all our great team and colleagues and so thankful for our wonderful community. Um, Ab so, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What a great way to end the week. It really is. And we'll end it with Chad Ochocinco, a guy that knows his stuff, as Andre said. Saying the Broncos are the only team he's ever seen with three number one receivers. Holy cow. If this doesn't make you want to run through a wall, if this doesn't make you want to speed up the clock until the beginning of September, I don't know whatever will. What a freaking awesome way to kick off the weekend. So thank you, Chad Johnson, who is formerly Chad Ochocinco, who was formerly Chad Johnson on that name for making this a great podcast and andre thank you so much for rolling with me today but before we get out of here guys i gotta tell you about davidson's which has two locations one in centennial and one in highlands ranch they're locally owned and have a massive selection and carry our favorite personal breck breweries guys you can get the 15 can sampler pack there you can get the 15 can mile high city pack there anything you want including spirits and wines they have as well and their sales floor is now open so you can go in and ask them hey, you know you're having a, a nice steak this weekend what red wine pairs with it or you're mm. having some delicious pasta with some saltless bread from tuscany mm. what white wine pairs with that or you're having a pizza from Italy, and you want the perfect beer to go with that, well, they'll just tell you, get Breckenridge beer. But you can go in there, ask them that. Make sure to download their incredible app and sign up for their loyalty program, which comes with incredible deals. So make sure to check out Davidson's. All right, that'll do it for us today and this week. Andre, again, thank you so much for joining me today. It was an absolute blast. And I speak for both of us and our entire DNVR family. We are so thankful that you guys roll with us on a daily basis. Thank you so much. We're here for you, and we can't wait to talk to you after all of you. Have a wonderful day.